The following is a message from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. We are delighted to welcome today a brother from across the ocean, across the Pacific Ocean. Uh, Reverend Ed Casteline is a minister, a pastor in the Presbyterian Reformed Church of Australia. He pastored full-time for uh, almost 36 years, uh, retiring from full-time pastoral ministry in 2006. He served in Newcastle and in Adelaide. Uh, during those years, he's also served as the, uh, to teach church history at uh, the denominations John Knox Theological College, which is near Perth. Uh, he's uh, also written some volumes on church history student manuals in connection with his teaching there. Uh, he served as both the stated clerk and the moderator of the Presbyterian Reformed Church uh, of Australia Synod, and has also represented the church in mission and ministry in Kenya, most recently having taught a concentrated course in church history uh, at the Reformed Bible College in Mwingi in uh, Kenya, east of Nairobi. So we're delighted to have him here today. As you saw in an email, and I'll mention this at the end, you're invited to a lunch to learn more about the needs and opportunities for ministry with this uh, uh, denomination that is faithful to God's word as we understand it in Reformed theology. Uh, and that will be at lunch. I'll mention that at the end. Reverend uh, Castelline, come and bring a word to us. Thank you, Dr. Johnson, for your welcome. I count it a great privilege to be uh, uh, able to give these devotions and to speak here at lunchtime uh, in an institution which is very, very well known in Australia. Um, we were not aware of the California campus until about 10 years ago, but uh, it has always, we've always highly appreciated the lead that Westminster Theological Seminary has taken in uh, teaching the Reformed faith here in America, and so it's a joy to be here, and I feel uh, very much welcome. Let's come before God in prayer. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that as I speak, the words that I say may be transformed into arrows to our souls. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to take a few verses from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 to 9. You have your Bibles. Verses 4 to 9, Isaiah 50. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint and know that I will not be ashamed. He is near who justifies me, who will contend with me. Let us stand together 
Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moss will eat them up. Amen. May God bless to our hearts at reading from his holy word. Here we have the prophecy of Isaiah regarding the gifts and qualifications of the servant of the Lord. This is a messianic passage that speaks of Christ to come and puts in the mouth of the Messiah as a kind of personal testimony his own gifts and his qualifications as a prophet, one of his three offices, of course. In a sense, and it's a wonderful sense when you read that passage, this is Christ the Son speaking And it is his thoughts. He, after all, is the author of the word of God. Yet it has much immediate relevance to all those who who have a call and a desire to exercise the gifts of the New Testament prophetic offices, which is that of a minister of the word or teaching elder. If I use the word teaching elder uh, Frequently, it is because it is the preferred term in our particular denomination. And that has a theological context, but I won't explain that now. Um, So I want to give you three short thoughts. Firstly, a teaching elder must have the tongue of the learned, as it says in verse 4. Now that is a special gift. All those who are truly called by God to become teaching elders, will be called by God to preach and to teach and to counsel. They must be apt to teach, as 1 Timothy 3 indicates. They are therefore specially equipped for this work by being given the tongue of the learned. It is a gift from God. No man can aspire to this holy calling of the teaching eldership without being given a measure of this gift, a goodly measure of this gift. No man should ever enter the pulpit full-time if he does not have this gift of communicating, preaching and teaching the word of God. But then also, such teaching has a special purpose. If you look at verse 4b, There's a special purpose, and it's one of its special purposes is to speak a word in season to those who are weary. That is, those who minister the word are called to assist at the appropriate time to apply the word of God to those who are in need of it. And Isaiah singles out those who are weary. And in this present world, this present difficult hard and unbelieving world, there is great need for pastors and preachers to apply the word of God to those who are needy, those who are experiencing the heat of the spiritual battles of a believer, those who are experiencing particular attacks of the devil, those who are experiencing the fight against their old nature, those who are experiencing the contempt of the world. And such as take up this office 
are not only called to be evangelists, but to minister to the flock. And that ministry to the flock of those who are professing Christians need to be encouraged and strengthened in the truth. And then also notice from our text that this gift is constantly replenished. Here's a particular wonder. It is renewed morning by morning, so it says in our text. And this strongly suggests a constant renewal of the gift of being able to communicate and teach and comfort with the gospel. That gift that is given by the Holy Spirit. And it's almost as though it is day by day. You know, the morning by morning is not intended necessarily to, to be literal, but it is certainly intended to indicate the repet repetitive work of the Holy Spirit. He renews and fills us again and again frequently for this work, and it is needed by those who impart the gospel. All Christians, but especially the ministers of the word, should have a regular habit of reading the word of God and of prayer because that is the means that the Holy Spirit uses to replenish our spiritual resources and that spiritual gift of imparting the word of truth. There, there must be a regular communion and communication between the believer and his heavenly father and that is a habit that must be established now for anyone who would aspire to this holy work of preaching the gospel. If God has called you to this work, then you are men under authority. You are under the commander of the armies of the Lord, as, as the Lord Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord, revealed himself to Joshua. And therefore, if you want to be a teaching elder, you must learn to be a good and solid soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, displaying the kind of discipline that is necessary for you to be a man who will last the distance in the teaching eldership. And I tell you from my own experience, it is a very demanding work. But for the grace of God, I would not have survived. But for that constant infilling of the spirit, I would not have survived. And secondly, there's another interesting aspect that we have here. A teaching elder, a man who's called by God to this work, must have a hearing ear. That means an opened ear. A hearing ear isn't open, is an opened ear, opened by the Spirit of God to hear the Word of God. And that speaks of a need of humility. It's the most necessary gift if you are to succeed in the ministry. Not only should a minister speak much because he preaches the word, but he, almost, he must also hear much. Some people speak much, but do not have, uh, they have not learned to listen either to God or to man. But remember that the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly minister, ministry often heard he never it is never recorded that he ever interrupted someone who was speaking to him, asking questions, or even not even the scribes. He would not even interrupt them. The Lord of glory has an hearing ear, and so should you. 
And then also it is a submissive ear. That is, not a rebellious ear to what God requires of them. The great Abram Kuyper, you may know this illustration, but the great Abram Kuyper started off in the ministry as a liberal, theologically liberal. He went to his first parish in Beast as a young man, and he was a know-it-all. He knew everything. When he started his first pastoral visits, he visited a poor, uneducated woman of no consequence. Her name was Petronella Balthus. She was not learned, but she knew her doctrine, and she confronted Abram Kuyper with his ignorance of the need of his soul. If he had not listened that day, he would have remained ignorant of the grace of God. But God gave him a submissive ear, and he heard of the need of his salvation, and he was converted. Oh, brethren, learn to hear and listen. Do not simply talk all the time, but be a good listener. Firstly, of God. Listen to God and his word. And secondly, of those who will be under your care so that you learn what their need is and perhaps that you might even learn from time to time something from those who are godly. Now these gifts, when exercised humbly, will lead to suffering. I am convinced of that. In preaching the word, we will at various times be criticised for what we say. Our preaching will not please all who come within the sound of it. And... uh, this has nothing to do necessarily with style or the organisation of your, of your communication. Rather, it has to do with the piercing nature of the truth which divides asunder between bone and marrow. At other times, there will be, you, we will be criticised for listening more to God's word than to the words of men, because that is our priority, for being men of principle rather than men of pragmatism. Yes, and that will bring suffering at times, The world cannot understand spiritual things and will object to being confronted by the word of God. Others in the church do not not readily think scripturally either. There have been several occasions in our own church, in our PRC Synod in Australia, when it was heading in the wrong direction and somebody has stood up during the debate and said something like this, Brethren, I cannot accept this argument. It is unbiblical and goes against the plain teaching of Scripture. And then he has explained the reasons. Now, it cost that man to do that. He risked ridicule and contempt, but he was prepared to suffer that if necessary. But many a time our presbytery has been turned around by somebody speaking boldly like that. The third thing to see here, very briefly, is... Is the Lord's assistance. Jesus Christ was never disgraced in the eyes of the Lord. Yes, he became sin for us, but his reward was with him. He was never disgraced. Judicially, God's wrath was upon him for bearing the sins of men. But God the Father never loved Christ more than when he hung upon the cross. Likewise, those who are engaged in this work with integrity shall not be disgraced in the eyes of the Lord. And this assurance strengthens a teaching elder in the face of opposition, whether from the devil or from those opposed to the truth. In the final analysis, though, uh, uh, 
Whose honour do we seek? Is it the honour of men or is it the honour of God? Secondly, they shall have no need to be ashamed. They are engaged in the Lord's work and therefore, like Paul, never need be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is a glorious work to be engaged in it. Now, I've had to minister to a very tiny congregation in Australia for all the years of my ministry, but I do not detract anything from the glory of ministering even to a small congregation as I have. It is of greater responsibility than that of the President of the United States, and he is probably one of the greatest, uh, most powerful men in this world in, while in office. And then also, they shall have no need to be ashamed. A teaching elder is engaged in the Lord's work, and therefore he is greatly blessed in that. They shall have the Lord's approval. God is near to the teaching elder, and he justifies it, even though at times we may be discouraged. Yet the Lord is, as it were, standing at our elbow in our trials, and it should be our certain conviction that the Lord will help us. And we can count on the Lord's help. The ministry is an impossible task. It is spiritually uh, demanding because virtue goes out from the teaching elder day by day and week by week. What the Lord Jesus Christ experienced when the woman touched the hem of his garment was of going out of virtue. But I assure you, the teaching elder faces exactly the same thing. You are giving out. You're ministering the word. You're counselling. You may sometimes be surprised to find that uh, teaching elders had a, an hour of counselling of somebody in a difficult situation. He is exhausted. And that's because he's giving out. But what a comfort it is to have Christ at our side, at our elbow, as it were. What consolation. And therefore, make you may you take these precious promises for yourself if you're contemplating this great office. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, indeed your promises never fail. And for as many as you shall call to this office of the teaching eldership, Father, may those promises be relied upon for the rest of their days. And Father, we pray indeed that your Holy Spirit shall come down in power upon those who take this office or take any office or any work in the church which is of a demanding nature such as this. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2010, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.